Merry Christmas. My name is Andrew and I'm one of the pastors here on staff and we are so glad that you have chosen to join us tonight for an amazing celebration. Man, I'm excited. I love this time of year. A lot of people assume that pastors dread the Christmas season because of all the extra work that goes into it, but I love it as a pastor. I also love it as a parent, as a dad of six kids, five girls and one boy. I love all of the festivities and the excitement that go into it. How many of you love the food? You get excited about the food, huh? You get excited about the food, okay. How many of you get excited about the shopping? Okay, nobody. All right, you liars. How many, of you, how many of you are weird and get excited about wrapping the presents? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday I took my, my two youngest daughters, seven and four, to the store and they picked out some presents for their mom and I let them wrap them. Awesome. How many of you get excited about the sentiment? How many of you love to reflect on what Christmas is and what it means for your family? For us, it is easy to talk about what we get most excited about. It is the reflection. This is a picture of my family right there. There's my wife, Stacy, and five of our six children. Tomorrow morning as we wake up and we go to the living room, we are gonna begin our time by reading the Christmas story together. And then we're gonna go around and we're gonna talk about, as we reflect on 2019, what we are excited about what we're thankful for, how God is working in our lives. We're going to get to share collectively and some wish that we would share uh, much sooner and shorter than others. My kids don't love it that brevity is not my strong suit on Christmas morning, but that's okay. I give them the ability to appreciate all the more when we get to open the presents. Christmas really is an opportunity to reflect. Not only to reflect on what the year has brought, but to reflect on who God is and what he's done for us. There's this obscure passage of scripture in the gospel of Luke that we touched on just a couple of days ago on Sunday morning as we read through the birth of Jesus, specifically from the shepherd's perspective and how, how the birth of Jesus, how the gospel interrupted their lives. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, when talking about Mary, I'm going to back up and read to verse 16. It says that they, the shepherds, hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened about the angel and what he had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Check this out. Here's this obscure piece of passage that it gives us some opportunity to reflect on. It says, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. She reflected on what was taking place. She reflected on how the angel Gabriel had come to her. She reflected about this amazing conversation that she had had with Elizabeth, her cousin. She reflected on the, the move from Nazareth into Bethlehem where they would register for the census and give birth to baby Jesus. She had this opportunity to reflect on how they ended up in the side of a cave and Jesus in, ended up wrapped in, in swaddling cloths in this manger. She reflected on these shepherds who would come to see Jesus and to celebrate. And while we aren't given specifics about what she was reflecting on, I think we have some insights a chapter before in Luke chapter 1, in what is known as the Magnificat. If you've ever heard of the Magnificat, then you know that that's Mary's song. It is after the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he proclaims to her 
that God found her righteous and set apart. And he had chosen her to bear his one and only son to be the savior of the world. And when she asked about the significance of this moment, Gabriel leaned even further into why she was the one that God had chosen. From there, she would leave and she would go to Zechariah, the priest, and to his wife Elizabeth's house, who was already several months pregnant with what we come to know as John the Baptist. And as she walks in, at the very sound of her voice, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John will leap. And Elizabeth will ask this question, what have I done to deserve such a blessing that the one carrying the Savior of the world would come and visit me? And then this amazing encounter, this fantastic conversation that takes place, Mary, Mary will journal this song. She will, she will put into words, she will articulate the emotion of the moment of what's going on as she reflects on the gravity of this situation. And so this Christmas, I want to use the Magnificat or Mary's song to help us think about, to help us position our hearts and ready our minds so that we might appropriately reflect on the magnitude of this moment. I give you Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 46, reading through 56. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. That word soul literally means the visceral self. This is a physical self. It is the deepest inner parts of her human being. But she doesn't stop there. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices. That word spirit is pneuma, which is the very breath of God. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So she starts off on the onset of this reflection to say that the impact of this moment is affecting her both in body and in spirit. In other words, in every manner of the mind, will, and emotions, this moment, the magnitude of this moment, has captured Mary. And it's impacting her life. She writes further, she says, For he, God, took notice of his lowly servant girl, about 15 years old, likely a servant, a maid girl. He took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why would they call her blessed? Not only because she was carrying the Savior of the world, but culturally, it was significant to bear a child, and not just a child, but if you were to give birth to a first child that is a son, that represents God's blessing, his anointing, his favor on you. It's to be celebrated in their context, in their culture. It was a very big deal. And so Mary here is looking both at the spiritual as well as the carnal, saying that I will be blessed among the people of my village, of my town, of my community, and I will be blessed from generation to generation because of what God has chosen to do in and through and by me. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. In verse 49, for the mighty one is holy. Now think about who she's talking about here. She's not taking the spotlight for herself to say, I'm the one who's carrying the Savior of the world. I'm the anointed one. I'm the chosen one. She's not giving anyone else credit. She is pointing out here that it is God alone that is holy, that is set apart. And she gives credit where credit is due for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. As we reflect this Christmas, we would do well to reflect on this piece of passage to think about the great things that God has done in us and through us and for us. 
Verse 50 says, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Now, now Mary is reflecting. She's reflecting on the conditional covenant, a covenant that began with Abram as God would come to Abram and he would commission him. He would call him to take his wife Sarai and to lead their home and to go to what is known as the promised land, the land that God was giving them. And with this conditional covenant, there are several things that are established, not the least of which that God will bless Abram and his generations thereafter with land, with blessings, with favor, based on their relationship. And so she's reflecting on the the magnitude of this moment, but also giving consideration to the impact of her forefathers, of what had been done before her. In verse 53, Mary says, For God has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away with empty hands. Now she's talking about this extreme juxtaposition of parallels that God will do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the supernatural, that he does what can no, uh, no other way by no other one be done. And she looks at this and she paints this brilliant, this beautiful word picture about nobility and about royalty and about the opulence that comes from these positions assigned by man. And yet how God can take the least of these, a young virgin girl, a humble girl of humble circumstances and humble means, and how he can turn the way the world sees things upside down and use it for his good and his glory. She is, she is reflecting on the, the nature of her position and the best that she can, she is drawing a correlation to the things that were common in her culture. She was looking at what we view now as the obvious and was celebrating the obstacles. And it says here in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. One of the things that our children love to do when we celebrate, when we reflect, is they love to hear stories. They love to see pictures about their upbringing. Just this past Sunday, while I was preaching, I shared a story about my daughter MJ, Madison Joy, who seven years ago was born, a very, very, very high-risk pregnancy and how God delivered. And as I shared this story, we got home from church, and MJ, she doesn't typically like to sit through the hour-and-a-half-long services that we have because she thinks I talk too long. You're not alone. (laughs) Four years ago, I gave my very first sermon at this church, and my now 10-year-old daughter was six years old, and she sat right there, right up front. And we got done. I got done preaching, and my wife, Stacy, looked at Ryan, and and she leaned down. She said, Ryan, what'd you think? And she looked up at Stacy. And if you know Ryan, she's very statistics, very data, very, very just matter-of-fact oriented. She looks at Stacy, and she said, finally, he's done talking MJ found out that in the message, I was reflecting on how God had delivered this miracle 
of epic proportions in our lives and the significant impact that it had on us. Yesterday, while I was doing my very, very last minute Christmas shopping, yes, that is me. I took MJ and Brianne with me and MJ asked, Daddy, can we listen to your message from Sunday? And I thought, well, sure, baby girl, that'd be awesome. I love that you asked. Why, why are you asking? Because I want to hear you talk about me. <laughs> and so I played the message, all 37 minutes of it on the way to Omaha. And she got to hear the excitement in my voice as I retold the story of her birth. We love to reflect on what's happened before us. Our kids ask us all the time what childhood was like for us. Our kids say things like, so tell us about these crazy things called cassettes. What, 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 what is that? What is a mixtape, dad? What do you mean you used to call Z100 and put in a request, wait online for two and a half hours, and when you heard your voice, you hit, you hit play and record at the same time? What, what, what is that? They love to hear stories about where we grew up, what life was like for us. Mary in this moment, as she's reflecting on the miracle of this moment and what God has done in her, is reflecting on what her ancestors have done, that even to make this moment in time possible, she goes all the way back to Exodus, all the way back to a man named Moses, all the way back to this, to this man who is tending the sheep in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the countryside, in the fields, when he has this unbelievable encounter with, with Yahweh, with I am, with God. When God tells him, you will go and you will be my representative. Why? Because I have heard the cry of my people and I will deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh. I am their deliverer. Now you think about that. Mary is carrying with her not only the knowledge of the ultimate deliverance, but the deliverer within her. And in this moment, she's taking this opportunity to reflect on the magnitude of what this means and, and how far back it goes. God's grace, his goodness, his mercies. And now, once and for all, for all, the penalty will be paid. The birth of this baby. As she celebrates this moment, she reflects on the magnitude of the years and the years and the years and the years before her. And in verse 55, referring to Genesis chapter 12, for he, God, made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And so Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went to her own home. In our short time together tonight, I hope that I can offer us three things Three things that we can consider as we celebrate Christ, as we celebrate Christmas or Christ with us, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the promised one. There are a lot of things that are commercialized about Christmas. And we celebrate the presents and we celebrate the food and we celebrate the festivities and and there is nothing inherently wrong with those things. I believe that those things are a gift from God that gives us an opportunity to appreciate the things that he's blessed us with. But when we worship the things rather than the one, 
We've lost sight of what matters most. We've lost sight of who matters most. So tonight, before we depart and go to our homes, our families, and our friends, and begin the festivities, your third and your fourth and your fifth Christmas celebration, let me offer these three things that will hopefully help us to reflect on what matters most. Three things, three insights that I see in the Magnificat, that I see in Mary's song. The three things are as follows. First, she celebrates. She celebrates what God has done. Praise God. Praise God for what he's done for me. Praise God. I praise him, she says. I praise him in my soul. And I praise him with my spirit. I praise him with my body. And I praise him with my heart. She literally says, I celebrate everything that you have done for me. That you would choose me. That you would call me. That you would appoint me. That you would anoint me. That you would move in me in this miraculous, immeasurable way. God, I thank you and I celebrate this movement in my life. She gives tremendous celebration. We would all do well tonight to go home and tomorrow morning to celebrate what God has done for us. The church, politically, I really don't care what side of the aisle you land on, whether you are a Democrat or you are a Republican or anywhere in between. What I can tell you is that factually we live in one of the greatest nations on the planet Earth. And that God has blessed us with freedom The mere fact that you and I are worshiping here tonight, freedom is a miracle of God. He has blessed us with relationships. He has blessed us with with the means to to, to eat and to celebrate. He's blessed us with with the air in our lungs to take another breath, regardless of the struggles of the year. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there were struggles. Mary didn't say that she was devoid of any struggles. Let's put it into context. She's a a teenage girl who is committed to be married, but isn't married yet. And she is now pregnant with this baby. And imagine that explanation. Stacy and I got pregnant two weeks after we got married. We had some explaining to do. We helped people with some basic math. No, if you carry the one, you divide the two, I promise you, no, we're good. It was a crazy honeymoon, but we're good. We had some explaining to do. Imagine Mary. It didn't come without turmoil. She had to go to her family and to her friends. She had to go to Joseph and say, Joseph, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant with God's child, but it's miraculous. The Holy Spirit came upon me, and and now it's just, hang in there with me. Joseph, initially, he has plans to what? To legally separate from her, to divorce her, until the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, Joseph, buck up, buddy. This is a miracle of God, and by the way, you get to help raise God's child. Imagine those dinner conversations. So you got his, hers, and ours. Right? Praise God. But it wasn't without without struggles. Here she is having to explain herself in this context, in this community. And they're a young couple. He's a humble carpenter. She's a, a lowly servant. Financially, they've got to figure out the means 
They've got to figure out the legal side of things. They've got, there's a lot that is riding on this. But notice Mary doesn't say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you everything that's wrong with this situation, but then I'm going to celebrate God. No, 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 no. She looks at the magnitude of the moment, not the mess, and celebrates what God has done. Can you, can you appreciate the magnitude of this moment and commit the mess to God and trust, trust that he is God and he is sovereign and he is in control. And regardless of what baggage you came in here with tonight, he can redeem all things according to his goodness and for his glory. One of the best things that you and I can do as we prepare for Christmas is to celebrate what God has done. That God loved you and me so much that he gave his one and only son to be the savior of the world. And he's given us the opportunity to confess with our mouths and to believe in our heart. And he's done this not because he wants to condemn this world, but because he wants to save this world. We would all do well tonight to stop and to celebrate what God has done by giving us the savior of the world. The second thing, the second thing that I think we can take away from Mary's song, this Magnificat, is attribution. Attribution. She gives attribution to who has made this possible. Rather than looking at the circumstances and and thinking more highly of herself than she ought to and what she had done to seemingly arrive at this place where God would choose her, She looks at all of the the facts and the data that's been given to her and she takes time to reflect and give attribution to who God is, who has made this possible. When we will hand out presents tomorrow morning to our children, we will make sure that they have an opportunity to understand who is the one who's provided the means for us to be able to do this. That it is by God's Saving grace and his blessings. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of heavenly lights. Everything that we have comes to us from God. And the best that we can do in these moments is to pause, to reflect, and to give attribution where or to who is deserving of it. Make sure From generation to generation to generation, like Mary did here, when Mary said, thinking all the way back to the promise of Abram and to Sarai, the the conditional covenant, and to how God delivered the Israelites, as she looked back on the generations that had gone before her and what God had done in them and through them, she gave glory to God for who he is. She set an example for her family. Can I just encourage you that I think one of the greatest responsibilities that we have as parents, as mothers and as fathers, is to set an example for our children about who is worthy of our praise. Church, let's not be guilty of setting the example for our children of what we praise, but who is worthy of our praise. Not what we buy, but the one who's made it possible. She stops and she reflects on who has made this possible. The third thing I want to offer up to you tonight. First, we 
celebrate what God has done. Second, we give attribution for who God is. And the third thing is that we reflect on what it means to us. We reflect on what this means to us. Mary, in this, in this song that's recorded, reflects on what this means for her. What this gift of God will mean for the world. And then we'll see, we'll see as Jesus grows up, Mary being reminded again and again about what this means when Jesus is a young boy at the temple and he's sitting with the priests and the brilliant minds of their time and she runs back to find him. He reminds her of what he's doing there and she's reminded again of what this means not only for her but for the world. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight, tomorrow, as we reflect on Christmas 2019, as we think back over this year, as we reflect on the things of our lives, let us be quick to think of what this gift of God means for you and for me. It means that we don't have to be good enough because God is enough. It means that we don't have to come with enough gifts because he is the giver of every perfect and good gift. We don't have to come with doing enough right because he has already done it all right. It is perfect. It is complete. Which is why when we say peace on earth, that peace that is recorded in Luke's gospel, the second chapter, verse 20, when it said the shepherds went back and they shared and there was a peace. It was an intrinsic peace. It was emotional. It was physical. It was psychological. It was relational. It was entire. It was whole. The Apostle Paul, throughout much of the epistles, will write about this peace. He'll talk about it as a part of the attribute of the Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. But the only way that you and I will ever know this type of peace, this complete and entire and whole peace, is if we stop to celebrate what God has done for us. And we stop to give attribution for who God is. And we stop to reflect on why God did this for you and for me. I hope with all of my heart that this Christmas is the best Christmas ever for you. I hope that you laugh a lot that you enjoy the presence of your family and your friends. I hope that you will walk away from Country Bible Church tonight having encountered Jesus being refreshed and renewed and energized and compelled. But I hope more than anything with all of my heart that you will reflect on what God has done for you, on who he is to you, and on why he's done this for you. I want to give you an opportunity to think about these things as we close together. 
worship team's going to come out, and we're going to sing a very classic, a very well-known hymn of reflection. Silent night. Silent night. That on that silent night, the unexpected came to the unsuspecting and changed the course of eternity forever. And we would do well to reflect on three things. Celebrating what God did, giving attribution to who he is, and reflecting on why he's done it. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to spend this time in your word. I thank you for our friends and our family who are gathered together to hear. I thank you for this platform that we have as a church to encourage and hopefully equip. God, I pray that we would take this opportunity, as Mary did, to ponder these things in our hearts, that we would celebrate what you've done, that we would give attribution to who you are, and that we would reflect on why you did this for us. To God be all glory, all honor, and all praise for all time. Amen.